Hello, everyone, and welcome back to A Double Shot of Branding podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about mistakes that both Caden and I made when we were first starting out our business. We are both, uh, I don't know, three, four years into our business, and we've definitely made a lot of mistakes along the way. We're still making mistakes, but here are some uh, mistakes that we can talk about that maybe you can avoid if you are just starting out your business. So let's dive right in. The first one that we want to talk about is pricing too low and working for free for family members and then also letting people talk us down from prices. So I can speak from experience. When I first started, I worked for family members for free and people definitely took advantage of that for sure. Um, But I hadn't really started my business yet. It was still kind of just like a side hobby for me. Um, And I was still getting the hang of using Illustrator and design um, Photoshop and, you know, all those kind of things. So I just felt like my, like, I don't know, I wasn't worth like charging people for money. Um, and then when I did actually get my first paying client, I want to say I charged around $350 for a logo yeah. package in the That's beginning. The same that I did too. I did charge $300 for like a full logo and website which is crazy to me now. (laughs) Yeah. And when you are starting now as a designer, um, there's so much that you're learning. So that $350 is probably not worth the amount of time that you put into it. I know that my first project I probably worked on for like almost two months. Like double the time of what we spent now because you're still trying to figure everything out. Probably way over 40 hours on that project. And I only got $350 from it. So, yeah. but I, I, I want to say I stayed at that price for like six months. And then when I, once I had three clients, maybe on a result, I then started to raise them, raise the prices slowly, but it took me a long time to get where I am today with my prices. Yeah. Everybody starts out for free. And I know experienced people will always tell you never do a project for free, but the reality is when you're just starting out, like for, um, for me, I graduated with a history degree. So I literally was like, I'm completely self-taught. So when I first started out, um, doing a project for free, like allowed me to practice and learn and stuff. And it's just, it's unrealistic to try to tell you never to do a project for free, mm-hmm. but do one project for free one. That's it. Just one. And then start charging. Even if it's just a little bit, whether it's 25, $50 for a logo, whatever, and then increase your prices, every project you take on. So Michelle made the mistake of sitting at $300 for like six months. Um, my first project was also $300, but then the next project I booked was 500 because I realized how much time went into that $300 project. And I was like, uh-uh, not happening. But I was yeah. scared to charge 500 I was like, nobody um, can pay this. Another mistake that I made was not keeping track of time and how long it took me to do projects in the beginning. So if I probably would have raised them sooner too if I realized how much like, oh, I was tracking my time on this one and it actually took me 50 hours, you know? And then then being able to calculate what I want to make hourly and then adjusting the rates from there. But I didn't start tracking time on projects for probably a year to a year and a half. And then I realized how much time I was actually spending. (laughs) You're like, wait, yeah, same here. Definitely 
was just kind of coming up with random prices that I thought that I wanted to charge. Um, mm -hmm. But even though I started out low, I am happy with myself that I did every project, I would increase the price. So mm -hmm. even if it was just a little bit, just a couple hundred dollars, at least I was moving up um, my value a, a little bit. Yeah. So, then, um, oh, go ahead. I'm going to say I'm going along with that, letting people talk you down from prices. I feel like uh, you know, when, when you're starting out, you just want to get whatever client that you can work with, like anyone and everyone. So when somebody, you know, you have a package for them and they are like, well, what, what if we eliminate this thing and this thing, like, could we get the price down and agreeing to that? But maybe you think that something in your package is like super crucial for that business owner and you really don't want to get rid of it, but you do anyways, just to please this person and get your package down lower for them. I feel like half the time they don't want to take anything out of the, out of the package. They just want the price to be lower. Uh, so yeah. Like, oh, my budget is only X amount. And so since you aren't that confident in yourself and you're just starting out and you really want to book that project, then you end up sacrificing Mm -hmm. and agreeing. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I ever really sacrificed when I was starting out, but I had so many people message me, even back when my prices were 350, 375, they would ask me how much my logo was and I would tell them and they would say, oh, well, my budget's only $50. And I'm like, well, then go to Fiverr, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't go down that low, but I, I would let people talk me down um, a little bit. I think I had... I think the most I probably, well, actually I lied. I think the most I let somebody talk me down was like $500. <laughs> yeah. I just, I don't know. I mean, this is a whole nother topic that we could spend talking about, but I just really hate how people tend to devalueize. I don't even know if that's the word, devalue <laughs> designers um, as a whole yeah. and think that they can get logos for a hundred bucks. It yeah. It's all about like education and perception though. Cause there's definitely been stuff that I have thought in my head were a certain price. And then when I hear how much it is, I'm like, Oh, that's not worth it. You know, and uh -huh. just because I don't really understand what all goes into it. But then once I realize that I'm like, Oh, that's a great deal. Or, Oh, you know, that's industry standard. Yeah, definitely. Um, another mistake that we've both made is working with anyone and everyone. So people um, who we know won't be a good fit, but we still want the money. So these are like the red flag clients, the where you just have vibes during your consultation call that it's just not going to be a good fit. They're already like making comments like, um, I'm really particular. I've worked with a lot of other designers, but nobody's been able to come up with something that I love or um, I know what I want, but I just, I won't know it until I see it. You just, you know, just you get vibes, vibes that are like, mm, this client's probably going to be a little bit difficult, but you end up booking them anyways, because you want, or you need the money. Mm -hmm. I've definitely done this before and they've been nightmare clients. But, <laughs> they um, always, they always are. Nightmare. I always knew that it was going to be a nightmare client, but I still yeah. worked with them anyways. Listen to your gut. That's like the biggest advice we can give is, and it's okay to say no. I think also when you're starting out, you're afraid. Once you get to that point where you're like on a phone call with somebody, you're afraid to then tell them, no, I don't think we're going to be a good fit because it's scary, but mm -hmm. 
don't be afraid yeah. to do it. Your mental health and your sanity is worth so much more than whatever oh, yeah. that project is going to be. Okay, next mistake that we made was copying other people's service options and then also just copying people in general, like social media posts, um, I don't know, you know, whatever they're doing that seems super successful. Um, so like when you're starting out as a designer, you might go to another designer's website and say, oh, they're offering this website package and this granting package. That's what I'm going to do. And like literally copy down bullet points of like what they wrote for their service offerings, because I think it takes definitely is like maybe a good starting point to look at other people's service offerings and create yours from there. But I think it takes a lot of learning and a lot of practice to figure out what service offerings are going to work best for your clients that you want to work with. So somebody else's offerings probably aren't going to work for you, but, um, I don't know. That's kind of hard to avoid when starting out. So I feel like everyone's probably bound to make that mistake. Yeah. Something I did um, that I quickly changed was I would look at other people's um, packages and I was like, you know, they're offering this full branding package, but then they're only giving the client like a business card and a note card or something. And then are they giving them, you know, these three collateral options and then everything else is like, you know, additional expense. I was like, I'm going to set myself apart and be like, you can choose the three collateral items that you want. Well, quickly realize that the difference between the time it takes to create a business card and the time it takes to create a welcome guide or a brochure or something more elaborate was huge. And it also caused me to not be able to properly guess how long a project would take because if I was doing a business card, a note card, and um, like an envelope or a letterhead or something for one project, and then the next one I was do literally doing a welcome guide, a, um, I remember one of my first projects, we literally did like a 120 page like magazine. That was their, um, their one of their collateral items. And it took so, 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 so long. And so I think it was actually after that one, I was like, okay, no. I'm going to have to go to just like a business card and a note card or a letterhead is included. And then anything else is additional because there's a lot, there's a big difference in the time it takes to create those. I also used to just charge for, for PDFs like that. I would just charge a single price. So say someone would say, I need a four page PDF and I would charge them a hundred dollars for that. But then I would start to work on the PDF with them and they would have so many changes and, then it's it never turned a four page either. It's like it always yeah. ends up being like triple. No, they have no idea how many pages it's gonna take because yeah. they send yeah. over the copy and you're like, how do I feel all these words on one page? It's yeah, it's not spread possible. out across like yeah. ten pages. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, it would the project would end up, end up taking like twenty hours, and at that point, obviously, that's worth so much more than a hundred dollars. Yes, for the yes. PDF design. So I switched to hourly after doing a handful of projects like that. Yes. So now I say, okay, a hundred dollars an hour. This is my estimate of hours. I'll let you know if it's going to take longer than that, and keep you updated along the way. So then people. I don't, I don't want to say they're less likely to make changes, but then they're, they're keeping that in the back of their mind. So they're not as like nitpicky, I guess, about things. Yeah. Um, something else that we, I also did at the beginning was I would, if I did quote like an hourly thing like that, um, I wasn't always the best at keeping the client updated. So 
I would maybe, I wouldn't ever really give them an estimate of like how long it would take. And then it would go and take, you know, five or six hours and I would like feel bad. And so I'd like cut down the hours a little bit or, and even half the time then it, the client would be like blindsided because they weren't expecting it to take that long. So I quickly learned that you definitely need to give them a range and you need to overestimate how long you think it'll take. Cause it's better to be under what you quoted than it is to be over. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then another mistake is having too many package or service offerings. So I think that this kind of overwhelms the client a little bit when they go to your website or when you send them a proposal and you have like way too many offerings for them. I think, especially as a designer, you can just keep it super simple. as like, this is my branding package. This is my website package and keep it done. I think I had like four or five different types of package offerings when I was starting out. And the difference between the branding package would be like, oh, this one includes social media designs. This one doesn't. This one includes like a PDF design. This one doesn't. It's like, just have those as add-ons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Make sure that your packages, there's a very distinct and a big difference between the two, because when you have a bunch of packages and the difference is just one tiny little thing, it's just like, it's a waste of both of your time to try to like yeah. explain all those packages. Yeah. And even if you don't put um, your packages up on your website, at least know like what you're pricing and what is going to be included in that package. So when people reach out to you, you know, like exactly what you're thinking in your mind and you don't have to like spend a ton of time figuring out what a custom quote would be for that person. Yeah. Another big mistake is not having the basics in your business set up like um, contracts and invoicing system, um, like 17 hats, Dubsado, HoneyBook, um, not taking a deposit, not having a contract at all. Um, even when you're starting out and you're doing a project for a family member or a really, really cheap project, still have at least some sort of contract for sure, 100%. Um, always take a deposit, even if you're only charging $100, take a deposit of 50. Um, and then always, always, always never hand over any final files or access to the website design until the final payment has been made. Yeah, um, something that I do to like kind of get around this a little bit is I always share my files with my clients in Google Drive. And so I create a whole folder for them and I drop all of their logo files in there. And when the project's done, I will share it with them, but I won't allow them to be an editor so they can just view, they can't download anything and then also the invoice. And then once the invoice is paid, I will change their, their access to be an editor. Yeah. Um, a lot of people starting out also want to try to send a PDF to their client with a contract that they have to print out and sign and like scan back in and send back. It's 2021. So <laughs> let's stop that. All of your contracts should be electronic now. It needs to be a seamless, smooth process. Um, Cause that's how you're going to book people. Like I, if it takes, you know, forever, the client has to do all these extra steps. They're made probably, there's a high chance that they're not going to book with you. So get rid of your PDFs that they have to sign and scan back in, find a, um, an electronic contract system, and then also payments. Um, 
don't use PayPal or don't use Venmo unless you're using the business option. Um, and the great thing about the softwares that we mentioned, like 17 Hats, Dubsado, and HoneyBook, is that they allow you to take your payments and do your contracts in one. So it's two, two birds, one stone. Yeah, it's honestly been life-changing to have a system like this set in place for my business to keep everything organized. You can even track a ton of stuff in there. I use Subsado and you can track where your leads came from, the length of the project. You can do time tracking in there as well for smaller projects that you're doing. Um, you can set up automations in there. So if somebody contacts you for a consult call, you can set up an automation so that once the consult call is over, it will send them a proposal. And then after that can send them a contract and invoice. Um, with your approval. There's so many different things that these systems can do for you that will keep you super organized and definitely save you some time. I love using Dubsado. I believe Kaden uses 17 hats, but these yeah. systems are, I would say, fairly affordable. Um, I use the yearly subscription for Dubsado, which I think comes out to be like less than $30 a month. And it's definitely worth it in my opinion. Yeah. And there are some, there's a few free options out there. Of course, I can't think of what they are now to sign contracts and stuff, but it's definitely worth it to, to get a software and it look, makes you look so much more streamlined. I've had so many clients be like, wow, like what software are you using? This is great. Mm -hmm. Um, Another mistake that I made is spending too much time on a proposal. So when I first started out, I would have a consultation with a client and then I would spend hours and hours and hours putting together this like really customized lengthy business proposal. Cause that's what I thought you were supposed to do. And it would have like an overview of the, a written overview of the project and a summary of the client's goals and just like all this kind of pointless stuff that unless you're pitching for like a huge corporation, you, you just don't need, I mean, honestly, the client's not going to read it and it takes so much time. And then when they don't book, it's like, shit, I just spent five hours on this proposal. So we both don't really do big proposals anymore. We just send over basically kind of like a bullet list of what's included in the package. And then maybe any of the, um, whatever the extra stuff is that they mentioned that they would need and then go from there. So we don't, we don't spend hours and hours on proposals anymore. Yeah, uh, I think in the entre entrepreneur space, a lot of people talk about the importance of sending proposals, but I honestly have never sent a proposal. Yeah. I, I did have a pricing guide at one point, um, but now every project is kind of custom for me. So I just hop on a discovery call and come up with a price from there based on what their needs are. And then I will kind of summarize it into an email and say, this is what the price is gonna be for your project. This is what it's gonna include, but I don't, spent I don't waste time creating like a fancy proposal and like a beautiful looking pdf no I don't have hours to do that no especially when a client you never know if a client's gonna book or not oh yeah they don't um, they don't get all the beautiful pretty stuff until after they yeah <laughs> okay and then next thing is not getting legally legit becoming an llc not having a business bank account set up. So having a business bank account set up, I feel like it's super important for whether you're going to be working with an accountant or doing your own taxes. 
Um, it's just so much easier to have everything like streamlined in one bank account. So you don't have to go through your personal account at the end of the year and kind of like separate any transactions um, to calculate what your expenses are for the year. And then becoming an LLC, I feel like, uh, I don't know, I just did this right away. So I didn't have to worry about anything like legally, but and I don't know what the ramifications would be for not being an LLC. I don't know. When did you make your business? Um, I just did mine like maybe a year or two ago and I've been, Oh really? Yeah. I, so I just recently did mine too. And that's another thing is I didn't really understand the importance or the need for it until I kind of went full time with my business and, you know, learned a, a little bit more about the back end of things. Yeah. I think it's just, I think it's just easy to do. I mean, I set up my LLC alone. I didn't even use one of those softwares that can do it for you. I, I want to say I spent like less than a hundred dollars total getting it set up. I don't remember what the price was down here in Louisiana, but it was so much cheaper to just do it by yourself as opposed to hiring one of those companies to do it. Like, I don't, I forget what the popular one is. I want to say it's like legal, legal zoom or something like that. Legal zoom. Yeah. Something like that. But they charge you like double to do, to do that for you. It was super easy for me to do it in Louisiana. I don't know about other States. Yeah. It was pretty simple for me. I think I had the hardest time trying to figure out choosing between an LLC or was it this, is it the sole proprietor? Yeah. Corporation. I don't know. I had, I kind of had to do a little bit more research on like which one would be the best, but I just ended up going with an LLC. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's uh, see. What's the next one? Not having a organization system for projects. We kind of already went over that, but also not having a questionnaire to send to gather information from your clients before you get started with the project. So this can be super, I would say this is super important for any kind of business that has a service offering, but definitely important for brand and web designers as well, because there's going to be a lot of information that you need to gather before starting the project. So I didn't feel like I didn't use to have a questionnaire in the first year of my business. I would just, you know, get started on the logo project and look at their Pinterest board and get designing. But now I ask a lot more questions about who they're trying to target, um, you know, what words they want their brand to feel like, whether that be classy, modern, you know, stuff like that. And what price point their potential clients are at, like all these kind of things, which really helped me design a logo for their ideal client and not just design it based on their Pinterest board. And then with the website projects, you have so many things that you need to gather as well. Like besides their login information for everything, you need to gather like what the copy for their site, photos for their site, like what they want, what sections they want on different pages of their site. And there's, I could go on and on about things you need to yeah. get before starting the website. Yeah. So when I first started out, I would immediately jump into a project and then, you know, I would give them a quote of like, say, uh, six weeks to do their branding. Okay. Well then I'd book their project and the start date for their project would be on that date that I booked, but then I wouldn't get all the information that I need from them or really be able to start until like maybe two weeks later. And so then that like cut into the timeline that I gave them. And so I quickly realized that 
um, booking, I can't book my projects right away. Um, there's a lot of stuff that I need from the client. I have those questionnaires and they have to take time to gather content and everything for their website. So I never book my projects like right away anymore. I at least do a month in between. Yeah. Or a month from the, the time they book to the time it starts. Sometimes the questionnaires that people can send out for that they need are going to be super time consuming, not super, but you know, a little bit time consuming for the client to fill out. So you never know like how soon they're going to get the questionnaire back to you. So that definitely could affect the timeline. Um, Um, and then also not having a system set up like, like a project organization system, like a checklist kind of to-do list kind of thing that you can share with the client that has project dates and stuff. So a popular system that we both use is Asana and you can create little to-do lists in there. And then within those to-do lists, you can upload files for the client to view and make comments on, and then you can update the like timeline, the project to, or the project dates in there and kind of keep the client in the loop of what's going on with their project. It's also a lot easier to communicate with a system like that than it is through email because email threads can get 50 deep and then you start sending new emails every time the client will have a new idea or a new question. They'll just pop over a new email or a text or try to call you. And so it's really hard to keep track of all the revisions or all the requests from the client. So I've really enjoyed using Asana just simply for communication. Um, It makes it so much easier to use rather than just email. Mm -hmm. I'm still working on doing external communications with Asana. I do like internal team communications with Asana right now, but I'm not like super great at keeping my client projects organized. Yeah. But that's because I was using ClickUp and I need to move away from ClickUp. Um, So I'm going back to Asana soon. Anyways. (laughs) Um, Not spacing out your projects or not taking a break in between. So for your mental health and your sanity, give yourself like at least a week break in between projects. I always recommend even like two or three sometimes because projects always go over the estimated time frame that you give somebody. And then that way you're not, um, I had this problem a lot, but you're not having too many overlapping projects at one time. Yeah. And if you're having too many overlapping projects also, I think that this can easily cause burnout. Um, we talked a lot about this in our burnout episode. Um, go take a listen if you're experiencing burnout or want to hear about the warning signs, but this definitely causes burnout for me. If I don't put any like buffer weeks in between projects, I learned that quickly earlier this year. (laughs) And they're great to like give yourself. So say that you're able to get your, finish your project on time and you have those two extra weeks. Like it's perfect for you to work on your own stuff. It gives you like an actual set time that you can, you know, improve your systems redo some of your worksheets and work on your own website and your own things. Yeah. Do social media content planning, all that kind of stuff. Because when you're super busy with client work, that stuff always gets pushed to the wayside. And then if you don't spend time to work on that stuff, then that can kind of hinder your ability to get clients in the future. So you want to make sure that you're always taking some time out of your 
month to focus on your internal systems. Yeah. And the last and final mistake that we've made is hiring help before we're ready. So um, we both have bought courses. Michelle's worked with a business coach, um, doing all these things that promise to get you to a certain level of success, but you're maybe not really ready to get there. (laughs) I know in my instance, I paid like 700 bucks for a course and the course material is actually really great and helpful, but I wasn't ready to, I wasn't at a point in my business where I was actually ready for it. And so I didn't end up finishing it and I just wasted that money. So Mm. don't hire help before you're ready. Yeah. I think if you are really interested in hiring a coach or even like anybody to help your business, a copywriter, a photographer, whatever it may be, a course, I think that you need to do your research as opposed to just purchasing from the first person that comes along and promotes success to you. Um, Because I don't know, there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there who are just learning like you are, and they kind of have a handle on what they're doing, but maybe they're not a good fit for you and your business. So what I like to do now, like I might hire a coach in another year or two, but I'm going to start my stocking now and I'm going to follow like at least five different accounts of who I think would maybe be a good fit for my business and keep watching and following along with them and seeing what they're posting about on Instagram and um, making sure that their message resonates with what I want and reaching out to other people who have worked with coaches maybe or bought courses that they loved and not like diving into something just because there's a flash sale going on. Yeah, definitely. You will save money if you take a little bit more time and realize when you're ready to hire a business coach or do a course or whatever. You also have to have the time. That's another thing too. So if you don't have the time, even if you are ready, if you don't have the time to like put the effort into it, it's also not going to give you the results that you want. Mm -hmm. I actually bought a course last year that was very expensive and I bought it knowing that I wanted to use this information in the future, but I wasn't quite ready for it yet, but I bought it at the time because the uh, creator said that the price was going to go up the next round and the next round and it was going to continue to go up. And I was like, Oh, well, I want to buy it right now when it's the cheapest, even though I'm not really ready for this course yet. And it was expensive guys, like almost just under four figures. And I still haven't even watched all the course yet. And this was almost a year ago. So I don't know, learn from our mistakes. Alrighty guys. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of all the mistakes we made when starting out. We're still always making mistakes, but hopefully we helped you just one of you guys with avoiding some of these in the future. Thanks for tuning in and make sure that you subscribe or rate us on Apple podcasts. If you are enjoying this podcast and we'll see you next time.